0: Hello again, Fight fans. Welcome to episode 313 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, for The Ring Magazine. As as you can see, the new July 2022 issue is out, and a, a large portion of this latest issue is dedicated to the situation in Ukraine, specifically Ukrainian boxers, both active and retired boxers, uh, returning to their homeland to help out with the terrible, terrible situation going on over there and of course uh, our thoughts are with everybody affected by the war in Ukraine really on both sides because the citizens of, of Russia are suffering as well of course not as much as the citizens of Ukraine but I digress uh, Michael Montero here for the ring magazine ringtv.com and the ring digital YouTube channel where you are watching me live right now as always guys I remind you to hit that thumbs up button make sure that you jab that make sure that you're subscribed and you click that notification bell so that you never ever ever miss a live episode of the show but if you do if you missed the live video it's all good the audio pod is on podcast platforms around the world just look for montero unboxing the neutral corner you'll find me there make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever uh, platform you like to listen to podcasts on and drop a rating drop a review all that good stuff Quick reminder about the fee. We charge a fee on this show. It is non-monetary. We don't do ads here. Believe me, I get offers all the time to put ads on this show. I'm talking about the live video here. You guys, when you watch YouTube stuff, and a lot of you, really the only place where you consume media and watch movies and everything else is right here on YouTube. It's the, isn't that annoying as shit that there's 8 billion ads that you have to click through every time you watch a video? We don't do that here, right? We're, we're not doing a bunch of advertisements and making you guys deal with that. All I ask is that if you get something out of the show, my fee is just spread the word, man. Tell people about it, all right? Tell people about the show. Uh, that's it, pretty easy. Do that every week and the show will continue to grow. That's how we've done it since the start. I've never paid for subscribers. I've never paid for followers. It's 100% organic. And by the way, while I'm at it, Make sure to check out my personal <laughs> YouTube channel, Montero on Boxing, and then my website, MonteroOnBoxing.com. You can keep up with all my latest news and, and stuff going on there. And uh, you can purchase Montero on Boxing t-shirts there, and you can contribute to MOB there. Uh, there's very, various different ways you can do that, okay? All right, so I got all the pre- preliminary stuff out of the way. Now, let me just say this as well. I know a lot of you want to get on the phone. I know some of you can't wait to get on the phone and gloat. couple things, okay? I got to keep this show a little shorter than normal. Uh, at, at most, I could go 90 minutes. I got to get to the gym. I got a busy week. That's one. So we're going to keep this show a little bit shorter. Maybe we'll go 90 minutes. So I will go through my thing. When we get to the phones, you guys, we can't do the this chat session. Okay, that's for the Friday show. Here, we got to keep it business. All right, you got to round it off. Boom, boom, boom. Give me what you got. We'll move to the next call. Now, if we don't get a whole lot of calls, I anticipate that we will. But in case we don't, then I can keep you guys on the line a little bit longer. Second thing, uh, no Friday wrap-up show. I'm going to literally be getting ready to fight at at the time I usually go live. I'll be getting uh, wrapped up and getting my medicals and all that done. So I won't be able to do a Friday wrap-up show this Friday, but we'll be back with that next week. Okay, so um, no Friday show but we'll do as much as we can here today. So let me get through it, man. Um, By the way, I got a couple of rants I'm going to have to go on. So trigger warning for some of you. It's going to get a little political, but I will keep it extremely brief. I'm talking five minutes, okay? I have to hit on a few things. I don't have a big platform, but I got a little bit of a platform here and I need to get some shit off my chest as it relates to judging and some other things. And I got to hold my brothers and sisters in the boxing media accountable. I'm really disappointed in you guys, and I know a lot of you listen to the show, and uh, you guys let me down this weekend, and I'm going to talk about why. All right, but first, news and or notes, and it's going to be nice and short and sweet, guys. Uh, the only thing that really happened this week of note was Kel Brook retires at 36 years old. This was expected. He got his signature W against his countrymen. Uh, last year or was that earlier this year i can't even remember uh you know that went over con uh really beat up shot version of Khan, but still it counts as a w right uh kelbrook is going to kind of go down as one of those what if guys but the thing is is the dude had balls of steel he took on challenges that a lot of other fighters wouldn't in in his position most notably moving up two divisions to fight Gennady golovkin when chris eubank suddenly lost his pen Right, what's funny, Chris Eubank called out Gennady Golovkin on Twitter this weekend. I found that to be hilarious because back in 2016, uh, he had apparently agreed to fight Golovkin, and it, he, he claims it was his daddy that ruined that fight for him. I don't know, but um, he sure wasn't calling out Golovkin in 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. Here we are in 2022. He called him out this weekend, anyway. When uh, Chris Eubank found a way out of that fight, Kelbrook jumped in, and he said, look, I'll take the damn fight. He dared to be great. He came up short. Uh, unfortunately for him, he didn't just come up short. His face was broken, literally, okay? That's, that's not metaphysical. That's not, that's not some kind of metaphor. It literally happened. He broke his face. And then um, moved down two weight classes after that, fought Errol Spence, his face got broken again, <laughs> because once you break your face once, it's probably going to keep breaking after that. Uh, and that injury cost him against Terrence Crawford, because I think Crawford punched him right in that orbital bone. And boom, the circus got scrambled. And that was that. So Kell Brook, listen, he fought everybody you know, he took challenges. I give the guy tremendous credit. Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford still haven't fought each other. They're 4000 years old. Kell Brook fought both of them. Came up short, but he fought both of them. So I give the guy tremendous credit. Good luck in retirement. I hope you stay retired. There's no reason to ever come back, Kel. You did great. 36 years old. You're a millionaire. You can walk away uh, for, for this great career that you had and enjoy the rest of your life. So please stay retired. Best of luck to you, champ. At one point, I really do feel Kel Brook was the number one welterweight in the world. I was ringside when he beat uh, Sean Porter, and I was very impressed. And it was brief, but I really thought right in that time frame, he was the top welterweight in the world. Uh, It was very, very brief, but it still counts. He definitely was a world-class operator at his absolute best. Super chat from OJ22. Thank you, OJ. He said, uh, Bevo boxed a near-perfect fight, and the judges almost took it away from him. The first four rounds were scored before the fight. Horrible. I know you will have a lot to say about the scoring. Oh, yeah, OJ. Oh yeah. Trust me. I I got some, I got some fire for you guys today. All right. So buckle up. I'm just taking my time with it because I know a lot of you are just getting on the chat here. Uh, So let's get into the review. Okay. Because obviously there's a lot to cover. There's only really one big fight that we're going to talk about, but there's a lot of different angles to it. So last Saturday, May 7th in Las Vegas at the T-Mobile arena, it was matchroom boxing, putting on a show on DAZN pay-per-view and Hey, Um, I got to say this real quick. DAZN, Matchroom. Guys, if I'm paying 60 extra dollars for a pay-per-view, there shouldn't be commercials. If you want to put commercials on regular DAZN, the way that there are regular commercials on ESPN and Fox and all that, cool. But the difference is we're paying a monthly subscription fee for DAZN, kind of like we do with Showtime. I don't expect commercials in between rounds. If I'm paying a monthly subscription service, that's bad enough. But if I'm paying for a pay-per-view, I'm paying an additional fee on top of the annual fee I pay for my yearly subscription. I really shouldn't see ads for the new Top Gun movie and a new Jurassic Park movie. They must have played those ads a hundred times. So just a quick note to you guys, that sucked. And it's kind of insulting to your audience when you're asking us to pony up extra money and still playing ads there were ads all throughout the arena all over the ring apron all over any poster or any t-shirt that's being sold okay you got enough ad space in but to air ads during the entire effing fight i wish i paid a premium for like that it's just a bit over the top so maybe tone that just a little bit down next time yeah anyway Dimitri Bevel in the main event. We're not even going to talk about the undercard because it was shit. Dimitri Bevel in the main event improves to 20 and all with a unanimous decision win over Canelo Alvarez, successfully defends his WBA light heavyweight title, and will take it back home to Russia. I said a bad word. I just said a swear word. Russia. Beevil is Russian. No one mentioned that during the entire broadcast. I found that quite interesting. He's taken the light heavyweight title back to Russia. I'm going to say that word a few more times in the show. So be prepared. Your asshole might pucker up. I know some of you. Anyway, uh, Beevil scores a unanimous decision. 115-113 on all three scorecards. Those scorecards were terrible. I'm going to get into that. In fact, that's my first rant. You know what? Let's go ahead and get at that. So, The scorecards, 115, 113, all three judges, and these were called veteran elite level judges. I think it was Chris Mannix who said that before the fight. You couldn't ask for three better judges going into this main event. I believe that's what Chris Mannix said. I'm paraphrasing. I'm not even going to name their names. All right, you guys know the damn names. And one of them I was really disappointed in because I really do consider him one of the better young judges in the sport. And we've interacted a lot personally, and I like the guy. Really disappointed at his scorecard. The other two old fucks, I, I just expected what they did. Anyway, they scored all 12 rounds the exact same way. Now, had they gotten the correct score, that wouldn't bother me. Because in fact, this was actually a very easy fight to score. It wasn't that difficult to score this fight. Eight, seven, eight rounds were pretty clear. And you could really only go in one direction. Okay, And then there were maybe four swing rounds or something. And if you split those, then you wound up with a score that was 117-111. You could even go 118-110 for Beevil. The closest you could possibly see this fight, and that was giving Canelo the benefit of every doubt, would be 116-112. But for all three judges to have it 115-113, and specifically for all three of them to give Canelo the first four rounds, that was scary. And some of you out there have said, Mike, that's not a big deal. They got a round or two off the right guy. won." how long have you guys been watching boxing? I, I mean, do you not remember? Or, I'm sorry. Do you, did you forget what happened a few years ago during the first fight between Canelo and Golovkin? Cause I sure have. And I'll never forget it. I was there. And there are plenty of other instances I can point to, but Some of you guys have really short memories. Here's why this stands out, okay? Let's say all three judges got to this same shitty score, but they scored rounds differently. Uh, Maybe that'd be a little bit better. Maybe not. I don't know. But here's the truth, okay? The seven rounds they gave to Bevel were absolutely – it was impossible to give those rounds to Canelo. They were irrefutable Dimitri Bevel rounds could not give them to Canelo if you tried. Even Adelaide Bird would have scored those rounds for Dimitri Bevel, at least half of them. But the other five were the competitive rounds, okay? So rounds one, two, three, four, and nine were competitive. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean Canelo won them, but they were competitive. The first round to me really wasn't. I thought Bevel clearly won that round. I think he landed, he more than doubled the number of landed punches and with much better accuracy, I'm not going to bring up all the punch numbers. Guys, by the way, I did an immediate reaction video uh, Sunday morning, technically, at like 1:30 in the morning. So look for that. it's right. It's pinned on my uh, page, Montero unboxing my personal YouTube channel. Look for that and watch it. I talk about some of the punch numbers and stuff like that. But I think I actually show them, because CompuBox emailed it all to us. But to give Canelo every single round that was somewhat competitive even though he lost most of those rounds okay and again it's one through four in the ninth round those are five rounds i thought beevil won three of those rounds but maybe you want to give canelo three of them fine but generally speaking in competitive close rounds like that you might split them but the truth is i i didn't think canelo won more than maybe maybe two possibly three of those rounds For all three of these guys to give him all five of those rounds tells you, it should tell you, that what the judges were going to do on this night is give any competitive round, didn't even have to be that close, just competitive, was going to go to Canelo, particularly in the first half of the fight. And then if the scorecards got super duper wide, they would have given a couple of makeup rounds to Beevil. That is the way Las Vegas judging is done, generally speaking, when there's a big A side and a B side. And we've seen situations before where fighters from a certain part of the world, Russia, come to Vegas and fight an establishment fighter. This this tends to be how the scorecards go. Uh, So this is the case. Had Canelo had enough energy, wherewithal, and had his corner actually been competent that night and given him some adjustments to make, had he come out and won the 12th round, had, you know, gonna, had, he, had the 12th round been competitive, okay, they would have given him that round and this fight would have been a draw. And you would have had a situation similar to the first Canelo-Golovkin fight. Although I said this right after the fight and I'll say it again, Dimitri beat. Canelo Alvarez more decisively than Gennady Golovkin did. I'm going to go further with that. Dimitri Bivol beat Canelo Alvarez more decisively than Floyd Mayweather did. That's the truth. So these judges were trying to find a way to give a competitive fight that Canelo may or may not have been winning or losing. They were trying to find a way to give it to him. It's obvious in the scoring. If you can't see that. Then I don't know what to tell you. Now, here's where I need to rant. I'm not surprised by the judges. And by the way, I'm not mad at Canelo for this. Canelo is not the problem. Canelo is a byproduct of the problem. He's maybe a symptom of the problem. He's a beneficiary of the problem, but he's not the problem. The problem is the establishment and how things work. I can't recall, or I haven't heard of, a single media member holding the Nevada State Athletic Commission, to task this weekend. If they did, and I simply missed the video of it, please forward it to me, okay? Because correct me if I'm wrong, but to my knowledge, not a single member of the media, and there was a lot of media there, including people at, that write for Ring Magazine, you know, my publication that I, that I contribute to, um, were there. Nobody talked to or challenged the Nevada State Athletic Commission officials. And if they weren't available, well, they didn't talk to Eddie Hearn in matchroom. They didn't talk to the folks at the zone. I'm not going to get into how judges are paid and everything. You guys, if you're watching this show and listening to this, then you already know. You know how this thing works, okay? It's bigger than just the Nevada State Athletic Commission. If Bob Bennett didn't make himself available for discussion at the post-fight presser or anything like that, then go to Eddie Hearn because he's who's cutting the check. Go to the folks at the zone because they are who is putting on the events. They are the platform promoting the event. So go to somebody. But I didn't see or hear of one media member putting any of those people on blast. Not one. Now, you guys know damn well, if I was there, that's what I would have did. And I'm not just pulling that out of my ass. I'm not just patting myself on the back. I'm saying it because I've fucking done it. And it's cost me access. It's cost me money but that still did it. No one else, well, I'm not, no one on this particular night did it. That sucks. So I'm, I'm, I'm calling out my, my brothers and my sisters in the boxing media who I love dearly. You guys are my family, but none of you, again, if there's a video out there, please forward it to me, please correct me. Okay, and I will, I will apologize. I will take it all back, but nobody held anyone to task. And some of you are saying, well, who cares, Mike? The right man won. Guys, it it just takes one of these instances where your fighter that you're a fan of, or your fighter that you're a family member of, or a trainer of, or a supporter of, a sparring partner of, whatever it is, to get screwed by one of these judges. And then you'll feel it. Then it'll be personal. Then you'll get pissed off. Then you'll want to rant about it. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, (laughs) now you're here. I'm the guy who's been saying it for years. And you give me shit every time I say it. Michael, calm down. It's not a big deal. The right guy won. All right. These same judges who, who have dicked over several fighters in the past, just in recent past. I'm not even going to go like way, way back. They're going to do it again. This is going to cost somebody millions of dollars. Okay. These losses and these scenarios. If Dimitri Beevil came up short in this fight and got robbed, Do you guys think that Canelo Alvarez would be interested in enacting the rematch clause? Do you think that Bivol would get anywhere near the amount of money he deserved or anything like that? If they did do a rematch, look at what happened to Sergey Kovalev against Andre Ward, right? So this can affect somebody's livelihood in their family. It's a big deal. Okay. Now that's the first rant. And I promise I'm going to talk about the actual fight. Now there's the second rant I need to get into. And I need to be very, very careful about the way I word this. And I'm not gonna dwell on it long. I promise guys, two or three minutes tops, okay? But coming into this fight, Dimitri Beevil was the WBA light heavyweight champion. I wouldn't call him a champion because to me right now, the champion at 175 is vacant. I would call Beevil a title holder. You guys know all the time I talk about the difference between a title holder and a champion. But Dimitri Beevil was the title holder coming into this fight. He made concessions. He made the concession to come to Las Vegas and fight in Canelo Alvarez's backyard. No harm, no foul there, because that's obviously where the most money could be made, right? You're not going to do a fight in Russia. Oops, I said a bad word, Russia. I hope YouTube doesn't, uh, you know, take down this video. But um, fuck, there, I said that that word's probably better than Russia uh, on YouTube right now in the algorithm. But you're not going to fight over there. You're going to fight in Vegas. That makes sense. Right. But still, it should be noted that your champion made a concession to came, to come over here and do the fight. Um, but I've never seen this before. Dimitri Bebo came out to the ring first, right? And then Canelo came out and there's this big presentation. It was the Canelo Alvaro show, which I get, he's the A side. He's the superstar of the sport, right? It, it's him on this side of the pond and it's, Anthony Joshua slash Tyson Fury now on the other side of the pond. I got you. But a lot of times when you see that, they'll flip-flop. The fighters will flip the, uh, the ring walk and the ring announcement. But in this case, Canelo got both of them. <laughs> Bevo was, he came to the ring first, and then he was announced first. That was interesting. Normally, again, if it was just one of these things, I'd be like, ah, this is just typical A-side, B-side nonsense, whatever, that's boxing. But all of this combined, and then you add the fact that the Mexican national anthem was played, which I get. The American national anthem was played, which I don't get because neither of these fighters were American. And then the Russian national, oops, I said a bad word again, Russia, the Russian national anthem was not played. Now, I understand why they wouldn't want to go there. I get that. I truly do. But they didn't even acknowledge that Beevil was from Russia. At no point during the broadcast. And again, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Maybe I just didn't hear it. But some of you have told me, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but some of you have told me that um they they listed Beevil on the the little data stuff, the little um what the hell do they call it? The stats, they they listed him, the graphic, listed him as being from California. They didn't even list that he was from Russia. They listed him as being from Indio, California. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what you guys, a few of you have told me. To not even acknowledge the dude's nationality during the entire broadcast, to glance over it, have him come to the ring first, announce him first, all these things, and then, of course, the crowd booed him both before and after the fight. There's a certain level of disrespect that I expect in boxing, and, and I, I get it, okay, and again, this was this was a side versus c side, if we're being honest, right this was this wasn't a versus B, this was a and c. but I, I just I can't recall all these things being together in a situation like this in the media just saying. Nothing. Once again, I'm calling out my brothers and sisters in the boxing media. There wasn't a peep, uh, not a peep ab- about any of this that I heard. The, the commentary team didn't mention it. Nobody on the zone broadcast mentioned it. They had like, DAZN, these zone broadcasts have like 8,000 commentators now because they have the guys down by the ring and then they go way up to the top of the stadium and there's eight people up there. And like none of them mentioned it, not once. Before the fight, during the fight, after the fight. And I have to say this. First of all, I I gotta I gotta hold my peers to the fire here. For none of you to bring this up, to for none of you to mention it in your articles, your podcast, your radio segments, I'm very disappointed. And I'm not saying this from a high horse point of view. I'm saying this as a guy who looks up to a lot of you, as somebody as a guy who wants to be like a lot of you. Okay, who's trying to be better myself to get on your level, it's just disappointing. And I have to add, and then I'll stop, and then I'll move on, I swear, okay? But it's it's not that any of this is making me lose sleep because over the last five or six years in our country, it has been increasingly okay to shit on people from Eastern Europe, particularly Russia. It's just okay, there's no problem. <laughs> any movie, any TV show, even commercials, The media, there's an obsession and a hysteria over people from that part of the world as if they have anything to do with the asshole that's running that country. And let me be clear about this. Vladimir Putin is a steaming hot pile of dog shit. He is a terrible, evil, corrupt human being. And what's happening over in Ukraine is disgusting. And what Putin and his henchmen in the Russian... uh, I was going to say Russian mafia, Russian government are doing, kind of maybe one and the same, they are committing war crimes. Innocent men, women, and children are dying. Civilian targets are being hit by the military. If you're watching a news outlet that tries to tell you that that's not happening or it's being exaggerated, you need to stop watching that news outlet because they're pieces of shit. Innocent people are dying. It's wrong, okay? So I had to get that. Did I check every box there? I'm not a a fan of Vladimir Putin and what they're doing. It's disgusting. And I wish it'd stop tomorrow, today, right now. However, Russian people, for the most part, have nothing to do with it. So to punish somebody for what a member of their tribe is doing, generally speaking... We call things like that, I don't know, xenophobic at best, prejudiced, maybe a little worse. At the very worst, we call that racist. Now Russian isn't a race, so you can't be racist against a Russian, but you sure can be prejudiced and bigoted against one. And I have to say, if Dimitri Bevel was a black guy from Nigeria or an ethnic muslim guy of Pakistani heritage or an african american guy from Houston, and fighting in an environment like this and being treated that way, not only by the wacko fans, because fan is short for fanatic, we expect that, but by the entire promotion, the graphics team, the network, I have a feeling that there would be members of the media talking about that. There'd be people on Twitter tweeting about that, but it's not happening here because It's a guy from Russia. Okay, that's it for that rant. If I lost you there, sorry, we're back to boxing now. Okay, let me get to some super chats while I cool off because that got me a little hot. Super chat from Sam A. Thank you so much, Sam. He says, Canelo accepted defeat in the ring. Hearn gave him only three rounds. Then in the presser, they both claim robbery. What the F? Yeah, look, Sam, you know, a lot of people are making a big thing of of Canelo saying he won the fight. Listen, every fighter is going to say they won the fight. I'm not mad at Canelo for that. I'm not mad at – Hearn, you know, should be a little ashamed, okay? But Canelo, I'm not mad at him for saying that. He's a fighter. Of course, he wants to feel that he won, and he wants to say that for his fans. But he knows deep down inside he didn't win that damn fight. He won two or three rounds. But what a fighter knows in their heart and what they say publicly, often two very different things. Okay, Aaron with the super chat. Thank you, my man. He said, yo, Mike, the Braidest Scrap is now rescheduled to July 6th over there in Aussie land. I knew Beevil had levels, and I have no issue with Canelo losing. Do you got, do you think guys like Spence could re- be remotely competitive moving up in weight? So, I assume you're talking about Spence moving up to fight Canelo because Spence versus Beavil at 175. Come on. I mean, that's not fair. But um, Spence moving up to fight Canelo, whether it be at 160, 168, maybe a catchweight to 164, that's been talked about a lot on Twitter. Obviously, I would favor Canelo huge in that fight. But Spence is talented enough and athletic enough, and uh, I think confident enough to go the distance and to give him a tough fight and to win a few rounds. But I think it'd be a 116-112, 117-111 type of win for Canelo. And it's also very possible that Canelo could score a late stoppage. But Canelo isn't someone who really stops guys on the elite level. He never has. When he stops guys, it's because they're a notch below elite. Um, When he fights the absolute best, they're distance fights. And I think Spence would go the distance, but he'd lose. Everything Spence does, Canelo does pretty much better. The only thing is I'd say Spence is faster, more athletic, better with his feet. There are some things he does better, so I I should take that one statement back. But I just think that Canelo, um, just just a better fighter, and I'd I'd favor him to win that fight going away. I truly would. All right, super chat from Mark Ashley. Thank you so much, Mark. He said, Canelo stepped up. Huge respect. We were all worried about the decision for good reason. Both things can be true simultaneously. Abso-freaking-lutely, Mark. And in the midst of all my ranting and raving and all that stuff, I, I hope that I made it clear. And if I didn't, I want to make it clear right now. None of this is me dissing Canelo. Uh, Canelo deserves tremendous credit. And by the way, I tweeted that. And I, I posted a tweet. Uh, several of my tweets went viral this weekend. I, I just had like a viral streak going. But one went super duper viral. Where I basically tweeted that um, you know Canelo took a challenge that 99% of boxers in his position would not have taken. You know, you go back to the last pound for pound superstar this sport had, won't mention the name here, but that man didn't take challenges like this. There is no free. The last guy wouldn't step up and fight a broken Sergio Martinez at 160 or a catchweight like Miguel Cotto did. What makes you think he'd step up and fight Dimitri Beevil? you know, a situation like this? So Canelo deserves credit for taking on the challenge. I do think Canelo's ego got the best of him. I do think that he approached this fight with a poor game plan. I'll talk a little more about that in a second. It just caught up with him. All right. Is that all of them? Nope. We got another one from Anthony Santiago. Thank you so much, Ant. Appreciate it. He says If the rematch happens, do you think Triple G tries to unify with Charlo? or the WBO title holder. Beevil had everything against him and dominated. That's a bad dude. We'll talk about the Triple G thing. Um, boy, Triple G has to be upset. <laughs> it's still very possible we get Canelo versus Triple G. And I'll, and I'll talk about that um, a little bit here during my review. Because the thing is, the odds for that fight now just became more favorable. And the fan perspective for that fight just became more favorable because of the trajectory of both fighters right now. Um, you know, people were looking at Canelo as being this unbeatable guy right now. He just got humbled and, and brought back down to earth. Golovkin's coming off an emphatic win over a guy who'd never been stopped, you know, busted him up, stopped him, unified belts, knocked off ring rust. So now if these two fight, it'd still be for the undisputed super middleweight championship in the world. It's still the biggest fight that could be made between 147 and 200 pounds. It's still a big fight, so it could happen. Uh, but more about that in a minute. More about that in a minute. Another super chat from Mendeli, CA. Thank you so much, Mendeli. He says, uh, saw a comment saying, if the rematch is done, Beevil is willing to do 168 and go for Nelo's belts. Would Canelo win at 168? Very good question. Um, I will get into that as well. Just give me a second. But uh, I definitely, definitely think that 168, that's a way more competitive fight. And then OJ with another super chat. He says, you're Canelo's promoter. What do you do next? Another great question. All right, let's get into all this, guys, because um, all of it's part of my review. So um, I talked about the scorecards. I talked about the xenophobia and disrespect to, uh, to the champ coming in. One thing I want to note, uh, too, I saw a few people out there tweeting that there were parallels in this fight to Teofimo Lopez and his win over Vasily Lomachenko. Yes, there there were parallels in the sense that Teofimo Lopez was looking at Lomachenko for a long time. They saw something. They targeted him very specifically and employed an outstanding game plan that was better than what Anatoly Lomachenko had over in Loma's corner, um, at least coming in. And it worked and they had natural size and strength advantages. Uh, The one difference maybe is Teo a lot younger than Loma. But you know, Loma's a guy who had moved up, uh, blown up featherweight. I had to move up because everyone in those lower divisions was ducking them, right? Uh, Canelo, one difference is he kind of moved up because he didn't want to fight some of those other guys, at least not yet. And he saw easier business north of 160. So it's a little bit different, but Dimitri Bivol, has had his eyes on Canelo Alvarez for years, and they saw something there that they thought they could exploit, and they were correct, and he's targeted this guy for years. So in a sense, it is kind of similar to Tio versus Loma. So there's some things that were similar and different. One other difference, Lomachenko made adjustments in that fight against Tiofimo and won some of those late rounds to make it close you could actually say that was a seven, five, eight, four kind of fight between the two of them, right? Tio Fimo won, but Lomachenko was able to find some things and make some adjustments in the second half and actually make the fight close. And Tio had to pull it out in the championship rounds because Lomachenko almost narrowed that gap fully. Against Bevel, Canelo Alvarez, he had a little moment there in the ninth round. And I'm not even sure he won that ninth round, but you could maybe give it to him. It was a swing round. But I, I think Beevil still outlanded him in that round. But Beevil swept the championship rounds, and there was absolutely no doubt that he had thoroughly dominated and won that fight. The only thing you wondered is, was Beevil going to get robbed? So some similarities and differences to those two fights. Um, my, my fight pick. Okay, I just have to say this real quick. Um, here's where my fight pick was correct. I honestly thought, and I said this last week, you guys could go back and listen to the tape. Beevil's got to win eight rounds to get the draw, right? Well, he won nine rounds and he only won on the scorecards by one round. So that's where my prediction was kind of correct. I said uh, Beevil was a live dog. It wouldn't shock me if he won, but he's going to have to win eight rounds to get the draw. He's going to have to, you know, win seven, eight rounds to get the draw. And it wouldn't surprise me if close rounds go to Canelo. Well, all that kind of happened. All that kind of happened. Now, here's where my prediction was wrong. Here's where I was dead wrong. Bevel won his rounds in dominant fashion. He dominated this fight. He beat, once again, he beat Canelo in more dominant fashion than Golovkin did, than Mayweather did. That did surprise me. It didn't shock me, but it did surprise me. And Bevel, I talked about this last week, too, and I mentioned this. I said, does Beeble have more levels to him? Is more, is there more to him than we haven't seen? Has he been fighting down to the level of his opposition in recent years in playing possum to kind of draw in a big name fighter to take in the challenge? And that turns out that's what it was. The guy that we saw against Joe Smith, Isaac Chalemba, Sullivan Barrera, Jean Pascal, that really was the real Beeble. In fact, there's more to him than we saw against those guys right? In the big moment, he wasn't shook. He not only stepped up to the plate, he hit a fucking grand slam. He knocked it out of the park. And my prediction was wrong, because I didn't think he would dominate in so many rounds the way he did. I was very surprised at that. Uh, Again, not shocked, but surprised. I was also surprised at how limited Canelo Alvarez was in this fight. Did Canelo Alvarez make a single adjustment or did he just kept trying to do the same thing over and over and that was good enough to win a few rounds? I didn't see him make one adjustment. We just saw Katie Taylor pull out a fight against Amanda Serrano a couple of weeks ago that she was losing, you know, going into those championship rounds because she made late adjustments and showed her craft and her superior boxing to Serrano. Uh, Down the stretch, and Canelo was not able to do that against Beevil. There there was a sequence I saw a couple people tweeting um, little video sequences of Beevil catching and countering, right? And what surprised me is is Canelo was kind of coming in with his head right on the line and just winging punches from far away. He wasn't jabbing his way, he wasn't doing anything like that. Really wasn't using any craft or science. And I get why he did that early, but when it wasn't working, why not make the adjustments in the middle rounds? It just wasn't there. Those are the things that surprised me. Uh, Bevel out through and outlanded Canelo throughout the fight. I think it was like 10 of the 12 rounds or something, according to CompuBox. I can't remember for sure, but he was the more accurate puncher. His punches were straighter. And because they were straighter, they got to the target faster than Canelo's. So when they actually punched together, Beevil's punches were more effective because they were right down the middle. They were straighter. So they hit the target faster. Uh, So I don't know if Beevil has faster hands than Canelo, but because he was punching straighter, it sure looked like it. And I talked about this uh, on my immediate reaction video. Beevil threw in combination. Uh, Canelo did not. And Canelo can throw combinations. We've seen him throw combinations before. He didn't do that in this fight. Also, Beevil stayed long. In terms of the actual size and strength of these men, it's not that different. There's a lot being made about the weight and the size. I wanna say Beevil's reach. I mean, that includes the size of a fighter's back, right? Cause it's fingertip to fingertip. It was only an inch and a half more than Canelo. But the arm length is significantly longer and Beevil used that arm length and he's taller. He used that height in arm length Here's the thing, though. Callum Smith tried to do that. Caleb Plant tried to do that. Billy Joe Saunders tried to do that. It only worked for so long because Alvarez could work his way inside. <clears throat> he could get into the mid-range and get inside where he could loop those shots and land them on those fighters' temple. you know. Then he could start coming underneath with the uppercuts and get it on the chin, the side of the chin, the tip of the chin. And – he canelo was not able to do that against Beevil. Why? Because of Beevil's feet, Beevil's footwork was outstanding. And Beevil doesn't do anything that is awe inspiring or jaw dropping, it's fundamental. But, guys, I, I see a bunch of people on Twitter saying it was basic boxing, he beat him with basic boxing. Do you know how hard basic boxing is? This isn't shooting hoops. This isn't hitting a baseball. This isn't running a football. This isn't kicking a soccer ball. Basic boxing is one of the hardest things to do in sports for more than a 30 second clip on Instagram, doing that over 12 rounds, shit, doing it over three rounds. It's one of the most difficult things you can do in sports. And this is one of the biggest misconceptions about boxing. Um, you know, take the NFL, okay? This is the National Football League, American Gridiron Football. The playbooks for those teams are this thick, right? They're, they're thicker than my, they're thick, <laughs> right? There's hundreds of plays. There's hundreds of schemes. There's 53 players on the team. It's complicated, right? Boxing, there's only so many punches. I could count the number of punches with one hand. So in terms of the X's and O's, boxing is simple. But executing it is one of the most difficult things in sports. Martial arts are different. They're different than other sports. So basic boxing, oh, this is just basic. But Do you know how hard that shit is? Beevil, with everything he was facing mentally, emotionally, all the political xenophobic prejudice he was facing, all the things he was facing, to stay disciplined and stay on task and to keep doing the the same thing and then make adjustments late and and compound what he was doing was beautiful. Basic boxing is tough. And Dimitri Bivol, what he did this weekend was extraordinarily difficult, deserves tremendous credit for it and proved that he's an elite level operator. Now let's talk rematch real quick. Um, Oh, but before I mention that, let me, here's another note that I wanted to make. Is it just me or did Canelo Alvarez come into this fight with the exact same game plan that he executed against Plant, Smith, and Saunders? He did the exact same thing. He prepared for Beville like he was just another one of those guys. He should have prepared for Beavil the way he prepared for Gennady Golovkin in their rematch. That Canelo mentally... Physically, the sharpness we saw in that canelo in the rematch with Golovkin that's the canelo I expected to see, and that's why I picked him on points that's another reason uh, against Beevil, but that's not who we saw. We saw the canelo that fought Callum Smith guys Dimitri Bevel is not Callum Smith Dimitri Beevil is not Caleb plant he's a, a level above that, and so I, it was it was just Interesting to see Canelo come in like that and fight that way and Eddie Reynoso not have his man prepared for a clearly a better fighter. They had to know they were facing the toughest challenge since Gennady Golovkin. They had to know that coming in, right? They didn't look like they prepared that way. Am I wrong? But that's just what I saw. Okay. Where does this leave Golovkin with the rubber match with Canelo? And if I were Canelo, would I do a rematch with Dimitri Beevil. All right, let's talk about all this. Right now, Canelo Alvarez, it, some people are writing his obituary. Guys, he's still the biggest star in the sport. In fact, this loss probably made him bigger. Seriously, it probably made him even bigger because now he's been humbled and he's going to have to go back to the drawing board and he's got options. If they rematch Dimitri Beevil at 175, Brass balls on Canelo, right? And everyone's going to talk about that. And um, what a redemption story it would be if Canelo could just be more competitive in the second fight. Let alone if he won a rematch against Bevel. What a comeback story that is. And Canelo's a bigger superstar than ever before. That's if they do it at 175. If they do a rematch at 168, which Bevel has said he's interested in doing, Okay, now Bevo keeps his light heavyweight title, even if he loses that fight. So he can move back up to 175. And by then, remember, Viterbiyev and Smith are fighting next month. So if Bevo, let's say, moves down to 168, let's just say he loses the rematch to Canelo going for the Undisputed Super Middleweight Championship. He's still got his title up at 175. He could still go up there and fight the winner of Bitterby of Smith for the undisputed 175 championship. So Dimitri Bivol has unprecedented opportunities now, and he could go several different directions, okay? If he can make 168 in a healthy way. Uh, Bivol is not, c- contrary to what the DAZN broadcast was trying to tell you guys over and over, Beevil's not a big light heavyweight. He could probably make 168. The question is, can he do it in a healthy way? He's not 24 anymore. Right. He's in his 30s. He is a grown man. He hasn't got down to that weight in a long time. So it would be interesting to see if he could do it. Uh, if he could do it in a healthy way, man, that's that's a huge thing because if if Beevil could rematch Canelo at 168, the odds of that fight tighten up. It's more interesting. And he's going for even more greatness on his end. Canelo would be seen as a badass for rematch, going right into a rematch with Beevil. That's a huge fight. It's a huge fight. But let me say this. It is up to Dimitri Bevel where the rematch is held and what way to tell that. He won the damn fight. He won the first fight. Just like uh, Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano. If they do a rematch, Katie Taylor gets to decide two or three-minute rounds, location, all of it. She won the damn fight. Same thing here. It was the champion who made concessions in the first fight, but it was the champion who defended their crown. Now in the rematch, the champion gets to decide all the particulars. Uh, so I, I would expect the fight to come right back to Las Vegas because once again, that's where all the money is. I get that. But in terms of what weight and everything else, that's up to Beevil. Now, what would I do if I were Canelo? <sighs> Canelo's ego wants to rematch Beevil, right? He wants to go right into that rematch. But what's best from a business point of view? There's a couple of things. I mentioned that Beavel could fight the winner between Better B Evan Smith and completely unify the 175-pound division. What if you're Canelo Alvarez? You come back down to 168, you fight Gennady Golovkin in the rubber match. Let's say you beat him. Then you do your mandatory against John Ryder early next year. You beat him. By then Beevil and the Beterbiev-Smith winner have fought to unify 175. You're Canelo. You're the undisputed 168. Let's say Beevil beats Beterbiev, and he becomes the undisputed 175. Suddenly, the rematch late next year for the undisputed 175 crown, not just the WBA, but the undisputed 175 crown, is even more massive. So there's several different directions this can go. And it's really up to Canelo. Um, Again, the biggest money fight right now, still, and I know some of you don't want to hear this, but the biggest money fight is between him and Golovkin at 168. And the genius of it is, if Canelo wins, he's still the undisputed super middleweight champion. And Bevo, I'm sure would still like to do a rematch and fight for the undisputed super middleweight championship next spring or something like that next year at some point. So there are so many different ways this thing can go. Okay. If we see Canelo and Bevel fight again, where does this leave Golovkin? Well, that's a good question. Demetrius Andrade, uh, who was supposed to fight Zach Parker, but claims he's injured. I don't know if I believe that he's out of his contract with Eddie Hearn and his own. So there are no roadblocks preventing Demetrius Andrade from signing with PBC and fighting Jamal Charlo. He was signed to fight him years ago and walked away from that fight. I don't know what to, uh, what to say there with Demetrius Andre. There are still some people that think he's this boogeyman that's avoided. It's insane to me. I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I know for damn certain that Golovkin's not going to fight Demetrius Andrade anytime soon. If I had to guess... If Golovkin can't get Canelo because Canelo fights Bevel in their rematch, I think Golovkin's going to fight Jaime Munguia. I think that's the biggest fight uh, money-wise at 160. It makes more money than a fight with Charlo would. It uh, sells a lot more tickets, makes more money, internationally makes more money, more eyes, um, because you'd have all of you know, Eastern Europe, and then you'd have Mexico. And um, if they put that fight in Vegas or in, they could put it in Texas, they could put it in Los Angeles, big crowd. So I think that's the direction Golovkin would go. Also, uh, Mugia fights on the zone. So it's it's just easy to do. And I think that's the direction it will go. Um, for Canelo, I would highly advise against him going right back into a rematch with Bevel at 175. If you want to go right back into a rematch and you can get him to come down to 68, you pay Beevil more, you treat him with respect this time around, and Bevo talked about this, by the way, after the fight, he talked that He felt he was disrespected, not treated as a champion. They need to fix that shit. And um, if they do a rematch, I'd like to see that 168. But if Beavil don't want to do that, if he says, hey, I th- I'll, I'll want the rematch at 175 or ain't happening, um, I would advise Canelo to walk. It's just the, the rematch at 175 right now, why do that? You're the undisputed super middleweight champion. Move back down, defend that undisputed championship, and then explore your options from there. That would be my course of action on Team Canelo. But if Beevil is willing to come down to 168 and he could do it in a healthy way, yeah, do the rematch, synchro, or I'm synchro, September, uh, Mexican Independence Day weekend, and do it at 168 for the undisputed 168. Why not? That's probably what I would do if I were Canelo, because his ego is talking there. I wanna make sure I got to all you guys' questions. <clears throat> I think I did, yes. Yes, yes, yes. All right, Uh, let me hit some more Super Chats real quick. Sam with another Super Chat, thank you, brother. He says, um, how does every fighter get around $10 million to fight Canelo? And I'm reading Beevil didn't get near that. What did he get? As I mentioned, Sam, Beevil made concessions. He made concessions to get this fight. There were other fighters being explored. There were other options being explored. And people made a lot this week. They made a lot of the deal that the zone made Canelo to fight. I think Charlo and then Benavidez or Charlo, then uh, Spence. Here's the difference in those fights. Those fighters would demand much higher paydays. So the pay scale becomes different. The upside, the way things are split. Canelo's share is a little different against Beevil who basically said, give me peanuts, treat me like a piece of shit. I don't care. Be prejudiced and xenophobic against me. I don't give a shit. Just give me the damn fight. That's why Beevil got the damn fight. It really had nothing to do with Canelo wanting to duck Charlo and duck Benavidez. Look at those guys' resumes. It's ridiculous that Canelo is, quote, unquote, ducking them to fight a much better fighter in Beavil, or at least a much more proven fighter. How about that? It had to do with numbers and things like that, and Beevil making the concessions. To do everything on Canelo's terms, not just the money, but literally everything on Canelo's terms. And you know damn well, Charlo, Benavidez, and Spence would not have done that, right? They would not have made those same concessions. That's how Bevo got the fight. And sometimes that's what you got to do to get the big opportunity. And so that's why we're here. Bevo believed in himself, made the concessions, got the fight, won the fight. Sam with another super chat. He says, if Canelo swings, His driver today, like he punched, all for defenses. I hope he brought a couple dozen balls. Great point, Sam, and it's something I uh, forgot to mention. Every single punch that Canelo threw was a winging shot from the outside that was telegraphed from last Tuesday that was meant to hurt Bivol. It would have worked if Canelo could have got on the inside and planted his feet and went off and landed in combination. It may have worked if he could have gotten mid-range. Beevil wouldn't let him. Even when Beevil got uh, pinned on the ropes, he covered up, he caught the shots on his arm, and then he, he ca- either countered and pushed Canelo off. You also notice at the end of every combination, Beevil would get that left hand out, that left forearm out, and push Canelo back, straight back at full length, and then get out of range, right? Circle out. Uh, so he would either do that or he'd just use his feet to get out of there. And that's why Canelo's punches were so ineffective. What's funny is like the zone commentators like, oh, big landed punch from Canelo, big landed punch. And it's like, are you guys not seeing that it went through the guard and hit some gloves? Those are glancing blows. Yeah, it might've got through the guard. It might've got slightly around the guard, but it's catching some glove too. And that's taken 50% of the steam off those shots. Some, several of the uppercuts Canelo landed moved Bivol's head up a few inches, but it never snapped his head back. Not once in the fight did Bivol's head get snapped back or around by any of Canelo's punches. That's because all of them caught at least some gloves. And I just, the commentary has never mentioned that. HLD with the super chat. Thank you so much. He said Canelo did what Adesanya did in the UFC, overestimate his capabilities for greatness. Respect for that. Welcome back to earth. Size and skills matter. All right. So I don't know who Adesanya is. I'm not a huge UFC person, but I agree with you to a certain extent that I think Canelo, his head got a little big and coming into this fight, he maybe overestimated uh, himself and underestimated what he was facing and just thought he could kind of do the same thing he had been doing. And this guy would fold over just like the other guys have recently done. He needed once again to repeat, Canelo should have prepared for this fight the way he prepared for Gennady Golovkin. And it just seemed to me that he didn't. He was in shape. He was strong, but the game plan wasn't there. So um, yeah, it just seemed that he's been humbled a little bit. I still give him tremendous credit for daring to be great and taking on a guy that 99% of other fighters in the same position would avoid. I give him tremendous credit for that, but it does feel like he had to get a little humbled here. But again, this could make him an even bigger fighter. It really, really could. Because if Canelo comes back from this and goes on another great winning streak, regardless of which direction he goes, his brand will be bigger than it's ever been. It it truly, truly will. Okay, let's see. I think that's it for the review. Um, We're going to talk more about that fight, I'm sure. But real quick, let's preview what we got coming up this weekend. We have a busy, busy weekend, guys. Uh, Friday, May 13th, Matchroom Boxing in Milano, Italia. On the zone, Daniela Scardina. 20-0, 20-0, going up against Giovanni De- De Carolis, who is an experienced fringe contender type of fighter. Ten rounds, super middleweights. That's on the zone. Then Saturday, May 14th, we have a bunch of boxing, several different cards. Uh, Badu Jack is fighting in Dubai. That's interesting. Tony Yoka is fighting in France. Undefeated heavyweight prospect Tony Yoka. I believe ESPN Plus picked it up if you want to check it out. And then in the Los Angeles area, there are three different fight cards Saturday night in L.A., in the L.A. area. L.A. is a massive spread out area. There's a bunch of different areas to town. Uh, so all the, none of these are like downtown L.A., but they're all within that Los Angeles metro, which is really interesting. California runs boxing, and, boys, L.A. having a huge weekend here. Uh, Golden Boy Promotions putting on a card at the T- Toyota Arena in Ontario, California. This will, of course, be broadcast on The Zone. In the main event, Gilberto Ramirez – Going up against Dominic Bosel, a German fighter. Uh, these are light heavyweights. Ramirez is 43-0. Uh, just disappointing because he's hardly fought anybody worth note. I don't know what to make of this guy. And then also uh, Williams-Depeda-Seguro, 25-0. Lightweight prospect that a lot of people are excited about. Fighting tough, grizzled veteran Rene Alvarado. That's 10 rounds. That should be a fun one. I think that one's going to steal the show, actually. And then in Inglewood, California, it's Triller Fight Club. I think this is a thriller pay per view, fight TV pay per view. Sergey Kovalev. Remember him? Speaking of Russians, Sergey Kovalev going up against Terrell Pulev. Ooh, another Eastern European. I'm scared. Uh, Pulev, 16 and 0. This is a 10 round cruiserweight fight. Uh, Kovalev, of course, last time in the ring, this all go, comes full circle. It was a KO loss to Canelo Alvarez back in 2019, November of 2019. Uh, Fought as a light heavyweight pretty much his whole career, right? Now he's going to be moving up to cruiserweight. I don't know how this is going to end for Kovalev. We'll find out. But uh, Kovalev hasn't fought since November of 2019. Pulev hasn't fought since last January. So both of these guys coming off a layoff, especially Kovalev. In the co-main, Pulev, uh, Terrell's, or, I'm sorry, Terrell's brother, Kubrat, Kubrat Pulev, in a heavyweight fight going up against Jerry Forrest, 10 rounds. Pulev, his last fight, was a KO loss to Anthony Joshua December, 2020, no fight since. Forrest had a fairly busy 2021, uh, two tough draws, disputed draws, with Saleh and Michael Hunter. And then also on that card, Evan Holyfield, Evan Holyfield's son and Fernando Vargas Jr. fighting in showcase matchups. Then the big one, TGB Promotions, Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California. This is on regular Showtime. Uh, best fight of the weekend, Jermelo Charlo versus Brian Castaño. This is for the undisputed Junior Middleweight Championship, a rematch between these two. The first bout was last July. It ended in a draw. Many felt that Castaño won that fight. And then also, uh, a the co-main, Jaron Boots, Ennis undefeated welterweight prospect that a lot of people are excited about going up against Kustio Clayton, 12 rounds. Uh, that should be interesting anytime Ennis gets in the ring. You want to see it. As far as the Charlo castanio rematch, you know, I gotta say, I just got look, my gut's been wrong on this lately, but I just got a feeling. I'm thinking establishment outsider. It's the same way I was I approached Canelo bevel I just see Charlo getting a decision here. Probably gonna be controversial and disputed. But I see Charlo making some adjustments. Uh who he tends to do better in rematches in winning a close decision that's possibly controversial. That's the way I see it. Okay. Now we could go to the phones, make sure I didn't miss any. Oh, I should also mention, yes, Canelo Alvarez apparently went vegan before this fight. I know a lot of people out there thought that was a mistake. I don't know. I'm not a nutritionist. I gotta say, I like meat. It's delicious. I'm not gonna stop eating it. Makes me feel strong. Okay, guys, we're going to jump to the phones. We're going to be as quick as we can. We've got maybe 30 minutes, and then i got to bounce and get to the gym. All right, so let's keep it fast. Let's jump to this first call. We've got 818. You're on TNC. What's up? Hello? Hello? Yes?
1: Hello, Mike. What's up, Mike? What's up? long, 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 uh show today, man, but I'm loving it, bro. Um, I don't want to disclose out there. Uh, my Canelo fan backing up Canelo a hundred percent win or lose, but I do uh, want to throw out there that, um, people win, did win that fight a hundred percent. Uh, no questions asked. And, um, just to let you on the, but there's a couple of things that I do not agree with, uh, you know, as far as uh, Canelo uh, losing the fight and, uh, you know, here and there, things that are said on Twitter, um, you know, th- I think some of the things that really needs to be uh, said is pointing out the fact that, you know, Canelo did do things that other fighters wouldn't do To you know, as far as uh, challenging himself and uh, going up in weight and taking on the best. You know, a lot is being said about, you know, uh, especially some, some people out there um not giving him credit for you know doing that just mm-hmm. cuz he lost you know um if anything Boss should be, actually be getting praise for the win and uh giving more um pretty much you know uh, giving him a bigger platform so he's able to face these bigger guys you know names like like the is and the the smith uh yeah, the 175 pounder make an even bigger fight you know but you know it is what it is. Um, the scorecards with Canelo, you know, I wasn't scoring the fight. Um, all, I, all I can tell you is that from what I've seen, um, Canelo got beat up pretty badly this time around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, you know, it happens. It happens. But there's a couple things where I, I would disagree uh, uh, with you, uh, Mike. Um, as far as Canelo, man, you know, it's not that he didn't he didn't try or that he didn't have a like different, different game plans, um, you know, he actually did try to go forward at first. He actually did try to be the counter puncher after. And, you know, he did d- imply that uh, whole uh, strategy of hitting his, his hand, as you know, as we saw how bad his hand was. So there were, you know, things that he, he did try to change up his game plan with. It just, you know, he was just, just facing a better man that night and you know with with more skills and you know with uh, with a i guess a b- you could say a bigger will to win that night you know uh even with the scorecards being so close so you know um the 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 uh the strategy was there per se, but just you know he was doing it against a guy that was much better that night you know um so that that's one thing I kind of where you know i kinda uh, tend to disagree with you on that and um Secondly, you know, I feel that the other wins that Canelo has has in the 168-pound division also are being, you know, overlooked or, you know, it's kind of like I I think I heard your uh, rant video after the fight, you know, um, you could say maybe dismissing the fighters at 168, you know. Um, Weak division, we could say, sure, you know, but we could pretty much say that in every division, you know. Let's say he does fight um, the Charlos. Let's say he does fight uh, Charlo, you know, uh, or Benavidez, um, or, or any other one, you know, any any other one sixty eight pounder there that hasn't faced anybody really at all. We can also dismiss those uh, those uh, uh, wins too if if, can- if Canelo wins. Who has Charlo fought? You know, who has Benavidez fought? They look good. They they are good, but. If they're if you see them fight whoever they fought, they are have, they are good. They have to be better because they're way better fighters than what they've fought. You know, so it's not fair to you know, like to dismiss the fighters that he fought at 168 and B. They were all unbeaten. They were all champions. You know, so if if we're gonna go that way. They might as well go that other road too if he does fight the Charlos, the Benavides, everybody that all the fights that everybody wants to see because none of them have fought anybody of of note either. And are they better fighters? We don't know. They've never fought anybody of such caliber as a a, a Saunders, for example, or a Callum Smith, you know, know? for all we know, they could be in the same level until until Canelo beats them. And when Canelo beats them, what's going to happen? Are you? Is it still going to be dismissed? You know, or are we going to call it a good win because Charlo was a good fighter, even though he's never faced anybody?
0: Well, I'll big, say this:
1: you know, big like, you know what I'm saying?
0: I, I got you, Alex. You're at five minutes, so I'm going to cut you off. You're right at five minutes, but I I hear what you're saying, and I think Canelo deserves credit. I still, I, but I can I can give Canelo credit. For fight for a unifying 168 and doing it pretty much within like a year. But I can also say that Dimitri Beevil is levels above all these other dudes that he's recently fought. And I believe both those things. By the way, I still rate Canelo as one of the top five pound for pound fighters in boxing. There's some people saying, Oh, we shouldn't you shouldn't be on the pound for pound list. And so that that's ridiculous. So I'm with you. The Canelo haters are out of control. That's what happens when you're th- the top guy. But I definitely think that Beevil deserves credit. And I still think that he's far above the guys that won 68 that Canelo's fought. And he proved that the other night. You know what I'm saying? But I got I got a million calls, bro. So absolutely. I got, I got to bounce. I got to get to the next no, one, okay?
1: No, for sure, man. No for, for sure, brother. Have a good one. And yeah, absolutely. agree with you. Big boys uh, levels above the other ones. And uh, good for him, man. Good one for him.
0: All right. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate you listening and calling in. All right, brother. All right, bro. All right, let's jump to, uh, I think this Anthony. 203, you're on the show. What's up? Hey, what's up, Mike? This is Anthony.
2: Calling in to glow a little bit. Okay.
0: <laughs> gloat, baby, gloat. Give it to me. No, but... Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> nah, nah. I
3: don't need to do that. Jack will do that for me. Yeah. But uh, I'll, I'll be really quick. Uh, I just wanted to talk about... You know, all the... I think, like, this loss really exposed a lot of the jealousy and boxing yeah. against Canelo. I'm not the biggest Canelo guy. Uh, I've criticized him... Oh, A bunch in the past. But he's been the face of boxing. He's the reason boxing is pretty much relevant at this point. So, you know, you see Terrence Crawford saying who's number one now. He's still not number one. And then you see, you know, Floyd post a $10,000 bet like, dude, you're a billionaire. What the hell? You obviously didn't have that much confidence in Canelo losing. And you just saw, like, Ryan Garcia, for example talking shit like all these dudes are obviously super, super jealous of canelo and it's just uh to me it's kind of bs because this dude's been carrying the sport i don't even like canelo that much but i'm not afraid to admit that this dude has been carrying the sport for the past three years
0: yep i think you make great points it, so it's, that's it's really, really it's undeniable dude what canelo's done he fought like four or five times within a calendar year he's put on some of the biggest events How many people were at Canelo Saunders was 70,000 or some crazy shit. This, this was another uh, huge crowd for his fight against Beevil. He's going to do whenever he goes to the UK and fights and it will happen in the next year or two. He's going to do a huge crowd over there. The guy really has carried the sport in North America. It deserves tremendous respect. So I don't, but you know, when you're the top guy, dude, you're going to get haters. That's just what happens.
3: Yep, 100%. I don't, I'm a triple G guy, so I hate on Canelo all the time. But <laughs> I think just all the people coming at him, it's just kind of ridiculous. But I'll, I'll let you go. I know you got all these other colors. But, uh, I just,
0: uh, good luck on your fight, Friday, uh, Mike. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate that. that all was, right, have a good one. Bye. Anthony called it. He's one of the guys who called it. Uh, several of you guys called it for Bevel, and he's one of the guys. Uh, let's keep this thing going here. I think we got another Anthony. Coming up here. There's a lot of Anthony's. It's
3: a good name. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah. Two, one, zero. Yeah. On yeah what's up? Hey, what's up, Mike? Uh, yeah. It's Anthony. The other one, Texas one. <laughs> <laughs> Texas uh, Anthony. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I agree with your man. I agree. Uh, I just, I just say, hey, tread carefully, man. Because this is, boxing is a sport where the good guys don't win. It's just, it doesn't happen. You know, it reminds me a lot of, I don't know if you remember like the Gabe, Gabe Montoya. Mm-hmm. he used to work with steve kim the yeah. next round he did a lot of good he did a lot of good work with the ped stuff and he he, he raised some like really crazy facts you know when, when it comes to like everybody one pack floyd and it really went nowhere you know what i mean it's just it's just boxing that's just what it is money you know it's a business yep. before it is a, a sport and that's and that's kind of what drove me away i got my little taste of the action and i was just like and I always tell people, like, oh, man, it's fun being at the fight with the credential walking around. I was like, no, not really, man. You can't really have the fun, like, you know, as a fan. And I go, you see a lot of ugly truth and You see what goes on behind the curtain. Yeah. And it almost, it almost makes you salty to the, to the sport. But so sometimes ignorance is bliss with this sport. and you're just better off not knowing any better, right?
0: That's a great point, man. Yeah, and you know, because you've, you've been exposed to some of it once you're behind the scenes and you see some of what goes on. It's difficult to keep the same passion. It just is.
3: Yeah, it's a lot of fuckery. But real quick, um, I want to say, like, just because of the hypersensitive climate we're in, unfortunately, B-ball is not in the driver's seat. I don't agree with you there uh, because I I don't see any Russian being able to, you know, be a a main event or anything like that with an American promoter. So I think Canelo is still... Still going to call the shots you know what i mean and i agree with the last call i was never canelo guy i'm in texas i'm brown man i got it from all kinds of people all different ways i'm a triple g guy and i couldn't stand what he was doing but i'm so glad fight week is over there was so much i was defending canelo all this week i couldn't believe it but yeah we had tom brown talking about showtime was going to give canelo his own money he should have took it um you have all these fighters they're trying to grab um clout from the from the fight week you know what i mean and that's just that's just what happens, and it's just I, I'm just tired of it. Um, but yeah, I, I give Canelo props. You know what I mean for taking it. I mean, no loss. I mean, everybody says this, this is this is demise. Blah 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 blah. But the fact is, Pacquiao got laid out. Uh, yep. Oscar lost most of his big fights. Yep. You know, when you have that kind of star power, you're you're still gonna you're still gonna be a draw. I mean, it's I think Canelo's gonna, and he's our last one. <laughs> I mean, you think when Oscar was around, yep. there was a lot more guys that that threw, But it's just Canelo. So I think it's just going to be on his, but that's all I got. Listen, man, I appreciate the, appreciate the content, Mike.
0: Good stuff, brother. I agree. A hundred percent. Have a good one. Uh, we got a super chat here from crisp. He says, Mike, who are you going to fight? I hope you're not ducking Errol and Charlo. Uh, I wouldn't last a round with Errol and Charlo. So uh, definitely ducking both of them. Um, I'm fighting a guy that I've already fought once before. Uh, We're going to rematch and I'm expecting him to be better and um, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I will. uh, It's not being broadcast, but they are going to film it. So I'll get you guys some film, some video as soon as the promoter gets it to me. All right. And I'll let you guys know what happened, of course, as soon as I can. Uh, Okay. In fact, I don't even know what, what uh, number fight I am that night. I just know that, there's like 15 fights and I'm somewhere in the first eight. That's all I know, which is great. I told the promoter, I don't want to fight anywhere near the end. I please, I don't care if I'm the first damn fight. I want to end the night early so I can enjoy some time with my wife and uh, watch the other fights. Because um, the, the, the team that I trained with, we have six fighters on the show. So guys that uh, I work with all the time. It's going to be really, really fun to watch guys that I spar with and train with fight on the card. So I can't wait for that. All right, back to the phones. Uh, 267, you were on the show. What's up?
4: Hey, Mike. First time caller. Big fan of your show, dude. Love oh, cool. what you
0: do. Um,
4: awesome. I just, just got to get some shit off my, my, my chest with boxing Twitter because it was particularly cringe. Shocker, I know. <laughs> uh, leading up to this fight, everyone was talking all this shit about just how it was going to be too much for him. Yada, yada, yada. We all read it. And it was funny how it flipped after the fact. Every single person had the same take. Well, this is why there's weight classes. This is why they get on the scale. Bullshit. This doesn't look any different at 168. Like you mentioned, he was catching every single shot on his arms. I mean, it was almost like Neo in the Matrix. He was catching it up top on his cage with his gloves. And then when Canelo would do that, hook to the head and hook to the body, the arm would come back down and catch it every single time. How much less is your punch resistance on your arms if he goes down to 168? I don't see that looking anything any any different at all. Hmm. In fact, what I'd like to see him do: go down to one sixty eight, snatch all four Canelo's belts, and then hang out and bully all those guys that Canelo supposedly ducked when he cherry picked Bevel. That's what I'd like to see. That's all I got to say. That's my call, man. Thank you so much for what you do.
0: Damn, dude, good call. Damn, good call. I, I agree with all that. Um, and, and look, I've been if you guys been listening to my show and watching my show for years. You've heard me say for years that I thought Bevo could move down and beat everybody at 168. The only guy who would remotely challenge him is David Benavidez because of his physicality. That fight would go the distance, but every other guy at 168 Bevo mops the floor with them. And I've been saying that for years, if he can comfortably make 168, then yeah, I agree with that caller. He can move down there and he can reign there. But as I mentioned earlier in the show, if they do the rematch there and Beville were to win and he's the 168 champ, you got to remember at 175, the Turbiev and Smith are unifying the other belts. He could go back up there and go for undisputed in both weights. The last guy to be the legitimate 168, 175 champ was Andre Ward. Before him, it was Joe Calzaghe. But neither of those guys simultaneously held all the belts. They won them all but they didn't hold them all at the the same time, right? So that would be a distinction that Bivol would have. That'd be huge. That'd be huge, man. Super chat from Sam. Uh, He says, Bivol was a gentleman before and after the win. Here, here, Sam. He absolutely was. Uh, Nobody will care where he is from in the future, especially if they made money on him. That's another damn good comment, Sam. You're right, baby. Green is the only color that really matters in the end. It really, really is. All right, let's jump to. Oh wait, I think this is Jack. Here we go, guys. Here we go, Jack. You called it. You been calling it. it. Is your time, sir? Gloat.
3: Okay, and uh, I won't take up too much time because you know I know you got a uh, fight and it's pretty important. And I'm excited, bro. I'm excited, but uh, man, I told, I did tell every single one of you. I was, I appreciate Mike taking my call very last at the end of the last episode, because if you look at the end of the last episode, I said, Canelo beat Bibble. That's it. Cause I was like, what the fuck dude? you're like, You only have five minutes. So <laughs> I told you all the very last thing that episode was Bibble's going to beat Canelo. And dude, I wasn't, you cannot tell me I said Bibble's going to edge him or Canelo might rob him. I always said Bibble will win. Always.
0: And you said dominant. You said he will win big. You said that from the jump.
3: Yep. Yes, yes. Uh, Jack needs to do a Bibble impression because I always do impressions on here. Okay, uh, you you know Canelo, he's, he's champion and everything, but uh, you know I, I'm confident in myself. I, I feel my style. No, I can't do it, dude. You Russia? <laughs>
0: it started Russian and then got slightly Mexican.
3: <laughs> that was awesome. What What was the next? What was the next? Okay, but uh, no, uh, Andrew, I know Jackie's taking it. No, dude, it's not that. Bivol's just so skilled, and Mike, uh, I think I think your opinion has changed now. I think you agree that even at one sixty eight, Bivol would beat him. I think you agree. I would
0: favor Bivol. I would. My only concern is the weight cut. Is could he do it in a healthy way? Will they give him enough time? If they sign that, let's say they sign that fight next month, right? That gives him from June to September to lose that weight. Then, yes, I agree. But if they, if Canelo, you know, is slick about it and they wait till July 31st to sign it, and then Bivol has like six weeks to drop that weight, that's different. So that's what I want to see.
3: Okay, and then uh, real quick, here's a 10 second live reaction of my my reaction to the decision.
0: <laughs> that
3: was me, baby. I won so much sad. money. I want that like... Dude, I was so happy. But I won like three hundred dollars. But hey, last cool. thing I wanted to point out real quick. Uh by the way, uh as I am the fight king predictor, I think uh Mike will win in the knockout in the second round. Um probably shouldn't say that because now Mike's gonna be like oh no, I got so much pressure play. oh my god <laughs> but, yeah yeah no 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 but uh if triple g I think triple g would be the best fight for Canelo because if there's any point my boy triple g can get him now yeah, if, if there's any if there's any chance triple g can beat Canelo it's right now you know and uh dude I actually favor him call me insane y'all call me insane for picking Bibble dude I'm sorry triple g he has so much heart so much determination you're going to put everything on the line to be at 158 and honestly okay mike if we exclude the deryavenchenko fight from ever happening or forget the fact that golovkin was 40 years old would you still favor canelo cuz i think people are just looking at that deryavenchenko fight saying he's done i'm like he had the flu he did he was sick
0: i tell you man that that rubber match now the the odds a lot closer. Canelo coming off this loss. Who knows how he's going to be mentally? He weighed in at like 174 and change. He's going to have to cut back down to 168. That's going to take a toll. Golovkin's going to be able to put a few extra pounds of muscle on. I'm telling you, that third fight is highly competitive.
5: Yes,
3: sir. All right. It was a great weekend. Um, this week I got, um, uh, I'm probably going to take Castano. It's a 50 50 fight. So, Yeah, uh, you guys have a good night. Uh, Mike, if I'm at your fight, I'll get the best footage in the world. All right. And hell yeah, man. Uh, You have
0: a good night, man. You too, brother. Good shit, Jack. Good shit. Jack been calling it for months. He didn't wait until last week. He's been calling it for months, guys. Hey, when you're right, you're right. Jack was right on this one. Dead on balls accurate. All right, 570. I think this is Dad. What's up, Dad? How you doing, man?
2: Hey, I was hoping to get on before Jack. I got to give him his props, just like some of the other guys. Uh, they had the balls to call it and put money on the fact that Canelo would lose by this, well, decision in the judges. See, I thought Canelo would lose the fight and the event, but he would win on the cards.
0: Yeah.
2: Unfortunately, I, I, I didn't cash my Canelo by decision bet, but I did get the over pretty heavy. And I have it parlayed with Charlo this weekend. So looking forward to that one. I know the establishment's not going to lose. Have the uh, the main guy lose two times in a row? It's a bad look.
0: So you you got Charlo um, this weekend? So
2: back to I do. Yeah, okay. I, I think everything's going to be stacked in his uh, that's position. Awesome. Uh, Castanio won the first fight, and for Castanio to do the same thing back to back, you know he's going to have to change his game plan because he knew he didn't get the decision the first time. Usually that's going to throw somebody off in the next fight. So everything plays into Charlo's. Uh, uh, favor this time so that, that's my pick okay. um back to jack though stick with the impression of katie taylor <laughs> you had me rolling on the ground i was going crazy when he did that katie pressure that katie uh taylor impression i it really made me take notice because uh i never really paid attention to her speaking or doing an interview but then i then i then i looked at her online doing all that stuff and it, and it just amazed me um the sweetest girl in the world i'm not making fun of her I'm sure she'd probably laugh at it too. And one other thing I noticed, she's, you know, a pretty attractive girl. Um, so if she could play that up, she could even be a bigger star. If she, you know, I don't know why they don't do it, but that's my advice. If you're listening. Hmm. Um, but, but to the fight, um, is, uh, he is what you said earlier, the guy who, who beat Joe Smith, we all knew that he had different levels to him. Um, he's, he's, I, I've seen him twice in in person at the turning stone in Atlantic city after the Pascal fight and the Joe Smith fight. And he's not a really big guy. He doesn't have to cut weight to make light heavyweight. And I think that helps him against a guy like a Canelo. It's going to hurt him against a guy like the though. Um, cause that's going to be the type of style that could beat him. But if I'm the bival, I'm dropping a 68 and I'm going to ask for 50, 50 revenue. Because I'm dropping a 68 and I want undisputed. I think he could do it, but he'd have to knock Canelo out this time because the, the judges are not going to allow him to win. You said it. I saw it. He had to win 9-10. I had him winning 10 rounds. He had to win 9 to get a 115, 113 decision. Crazy. So in a Crazy. rematch, he, he's got to know he has to knock him out. Yeah. And no matter what we say, Mike, we could call out the establishment all we want. They're not going to change. Okay. They have, they have marching orders. They try to give Canelo that fight. If Canelo fought the 12th round with fervor and won that round, it's a draw. Yep. It's a draw. And I walk away with a lot of money you know, because I had the draw that big too. Um, but, that, but that's the truth. It stinks. And you're right. People in the media are afraid to call out what's, what's real. And it sucks that uh, when you called out Bob Bennett and, and roasted his ass for all the world to see after the Canelo Triple G fiasco, now your, your, your job is compromised. And they, everyone sees that now. So here we are in this moral ethical dilemma. Like, what do you do? The establishment is just going to keep rolling on. And unfortunately it's us fans that are going to keep getting screwed. Um, so, you know, it, I don't think we can do anything. We just have to keep calling it out. Hopefully people listening into these shows and they, they finally take, notice and say look we don't have to rob fighters boxing is good on its own Canelo is going to be as big a star as he ever was he took a loss that doesn't hurt him you know who it hurts the people like the Andrade's the Charlo's the Mayweather's their entire career is built off of zero
0: okay dad I gotta I gotta interject because you hit on something with that do you do you anticipate okay. now? Because Andrade and Charlo and all their fans were calling out Canelo. Do you think any of them are going to call out Beevil now?
5: Absolutely not. Are You kidding me? There
0: no,
2: Beevil. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they, they wouldn't fight Beevil, You know, two years ago, right? You know, they, they 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 cherry pick, and it's oh, another thing that's ironic. This weekend, the fans of and the actual people, Charlo, Andrade, and all these guys they, they beat Canelo. It's, it's, it's amazing. Like through osmosis through people, somehow they beat Canelo like they're now they won. It's amazing. Like now you have fanboys online. When uh,
0: when Marquez knocked Pacquiao out, that was Floyd knocking Pacquiao out. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He's 51. Now he has 51 wins and an extra knockout because obviously, you know, Marquez knocked out Pacquiao. (laughs) This is how they view life and reality. You know, this is why we have Joe Biden in office instead of uh, Tulsi Gabbard, because these people are told what to do and they don't really see the big picture. They just do what they're told. And it's just like that in boxing where these people are just so easily swayed. So what are we going to get from here on out? You know, I think Canelo, it reminded me of Duran going up to fight Hagler. He lost nothing in that fight, a prime Hagler. He took him to task. It didn't hurt his stock at all, okay? So people in boxing, losses don't matter unless the fighter doesn't matter, okay? If you're protecting a zero, that means you're a zero. That means your whole shtick is based off that uh, Mayweather con, okay? Boxing fans want to see great fights, and they honor fighters who lose. Canelo,
0: my hat's off to you that i was just gonna say man yeah we're, we're at six minutes you, you got some great shit okay we're at six minutes <laughs> i gotta let you go <laughs> so everybody
2: yeah build off that so mike thank you for taking my call and yeah. jack get on that katie taylor impression
0: <laughs> all right thanks a lot man yeah man um, thank you i wish i had more time guys we just we have just so many calls and honestly i am not going to get to all of them i gotta go here in a few minutes but uh another super chat from chris Uh, he said, thank you, Chris. He says, can you explain why fighters like AJ and Canelo when taken to deep waters, get fatigued, tired, uh, as professional fighters, this might be a problem beyond cardio. Um, you know, in the case of AJ, he's a heavyweight and he's super muscular. So I think that's part of it. Um, but, but look, man, all fighters can get fatigued at times. These guys are superstars of the sport. So everything they do is put under a microscope we've seen all fighters fatigued at different times. Um, It's just, look, they're flawed fighters, you know, AJ is very flawed and Canelo's flawed as well. They're all flawed. So, um, but when you're the most, the two most popular fighters in the world, your flaws really, really get exposed more and more because again, you're under that microscope, right? So um, in the case of Canelo, I, in this particular instance, I don't think 175 is his natural weight. I actually think he's pretty good at 168. I really, really do. 160 to 168 uh, is Canelo's natural weight right now, and beyond that, he's got just got too much muscle on his frame. I thought he had too much muscle on his frame for Beevil, and Beevil was moving his feet a lot, so Canelo had had to chase him around, and he was throwing such hard punches. That's gonna wear you down, dude, over 12 rounds. The thing is, guys, just a quick reminder, Canelo was strong enough late in that fight to pick Beevil up and carry him around on his shoulder. Uh, it, that's how strong he is, and his legs were still good enough to do that. Most of the time, when you're very, very, very fatigued late in the fight where you've eaten over 100 punches in your face, you can't pick up another grown-ass man like that and hold him and walk around with him on your shoulder, one shoulder, one arm, the way that Canelo did with Beevil. I can't remember what round it was, 10th round, 11th round. Uh, Maybe it was earlier than that, but it felt like it was in the second half of the fight. Generally speaking, if you're really worn down and fatigued, you can't do something like that. So it shows you that Canelo was in great shape. I think he just had a little too much meat on him um and i didn't mean a it wasn't a freudian slip because he went vegan i just he had a little too much meat on his bones and i think that weared him down a little bit and aj's always had too much muscle another super chat from uh kamiko kamiko atzi Kamikazi. uh thank you so much he says great show as always mike do any other fighters take risks now that they've seen canelo dethroned glad they gave it to beevil you know i hope i hope they do i listen if, if canelo Listen. If he does a rematch with Bevel, odds are it's going to do bigger numbers than the first fight. We don't know what the pay per view numbers for the Zone is. I don't expect them to release the numbers because they're going to be less than spectacular. Even though it's Bevel, okay, or I'm sorry, even though it's Canelo, um, it's not going to be you know a huge, huge number. Maybe they'll get Maybe they'll tell us. I don't know. But if he comes back from this loss and they do a rematch and the pay per view numbers actually go up, the attendance goes up the uh, social media traffic goes up. That will show people that a loss really don't matter. When Pacquiao lost, and he lost several times, he came back and was bigger than ever. Anthony Joshua still sells out stadiums. He's still the biggest star over in the UK. It doesn't matter if you lose, if the fan base is legitimate and it's actually an organic fan base that's there for, uh, for the right reasons. Uh, they're going to show up even if you lose. Now, if it's the kind of fan base that you're buying off of social media or if it's some sort of political agenda kind of thing happening there, they will disappear. They'll move on to the next thing. But if they're there because they love you as a fighter, then they're going to keep showing up. And in the case of Canelo, I think they will. So uh, we're going to take one more call, guys, and then we got to bounce, okay? So I apologize. There's a ton of you that I can't get to. I just can't. I got to get to the gym. Um, I really shouldn't even be doing this show. I should be at the gym right now. So if I lose, I'm going to blame you guys. Just joking. Anyway, let's go to Nacho. Nacho, you are the last man on the phone today. Let us have it.
5: All right, Mike. Uh, I'm not going to take too long because uh, you got to go to the gym. So I'm just going to make a few quick points. I totally agree with what you said about the judging. It was awful. They were trying to find a way to um, give as many benefit of the doubt as they could to Canelo. I was stunned at that. I was stunned and then not stunned at that score because the way I scored it was I could totally see the fight having been nine to three. You could possibly even make the case eight to four, but I think that's as high as you could go. So the fact that they even got it to seven to five was really astounding, and then having looked at the judges' scorecards where they literally went first four to Canelo and then the first four, to, then the second four to Bevo, I was like, what the hell? Like, what kind of ridiculous bullshit is this? I've never seen judges all agree on the same kind of scorecards through the first eight rounds. It, it was unbelievable. They were trying to find a way to give it to Canelo until they realized they couldn't be all just completely, you know, outclassed him. Um, and then as far as like, I have a suggestion, Mike, when it comes to the judges, I don't think the, um, promoter should be allowed to pay and bring in the judges. I honestly think the commissions and the sanctioning bodies should be the ones to pick the judges because it always felt to me that with promoters being involved, that their influence could sway the judges to pick um, their guy or favor their guy more than they should. And I've always felt like that might be a better uh, way of picking judges than allowing the promoter to be involved. And then um, just real quick as far as um, the rematch, I agree with you, Mike. If they do it at 68, I think the weight cut hurts b unless, like you said, they give them three months yeah. to get ready for the fight. And something tells me I don't think that that's going to happen. I think Canelo might legitimately squeeze it down to where it might be eight weeks, maybe a little more. But I think he would angle it just to where if it was going to be at 68, it would slightly favor him in that he thinks maybe Bevo would struggle to get down to 68. But it would be an interesting uh, dynamic if they did fight the rematch at 68. I'd be very curious to see how that turns out. And last thing, um, as far as uh, Charlo Castaño, um, I agree with uh, what Jack said. I think it's a 50-50 fight, and I think, um, you know, uh, the fight could go either way. But I think, I think Castaño is going to come out a lot stronger in the beginning, and he's going to take it to Charlo. I think he waited too long, and it wasn't until the second half of the fight that he really tried to press the action, and then he saw – that he could get to him, so I, I think he's going to come out stronger, and I think he might be able to pull this one off. All right, Mike. I know you got to go to the gym. That's that's my call.
0: <laughs> Thanks a lot, Nacho. Appreciate it, man. And great point about Castanio. Right, if um, if Castanio starts earlier, he could win that fight. I, I hadn't thought about it like that. I just I tend to see it the way Thad does, where the establishment is going to uh, it's just going to have it in for uh, for Castan- or for Charlo way i see it i hope i'm wrong i was proven wrong with that last saturday all right guys have a great night and have a great week we'll talk very very soon big news to come all right i'll see you at the fights peace